Chapter Forty One of the Giant's Robe by F. Anstey. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Forty One. A Final Victory. It was an afternoon in January, soon after the courts had begun to sit again, and Mark was mounting the staircase to his new chambers with a light heart. He had made his debut that day. The burden of the work had fallen on him in the absence of his leader, and he felt that he had acquitted himself with fair success. His father-in-law, too, had happened to be at Westminster, and in a common-law court that day, and the altered tone of his greeting afterwards showed Mark that he had been favourably impressed by what he had heard while standing for a few minutes in the gangway. And now, Mark thought, he would go back to Mabel at once and tell her how fortune had begun to smile once more upon him. But when he entered his chambers he found a visitor waiting for him with impatience. It was Colin. Mark was not exactly surprised to find the boy there, for Mr. Langton, judging it well to pad the family skeleton as much as possible, had lately sent him to his son-in-law to be coached for a school scholarship, and as he was probably aware, he might have chosen a worse tutor. "'What a time you have been,' said Colin. "'It's not your day,' said Mark. "'I can't take you now, old fellow.' "'I know,' said the boy, fidgeting restlessly. "'I didn't come about that. It was something else.' mark laughed you've been getting into another row you young rascal he said and you want me to get you out of it isn't that it no it isn't said colin i say he went on blurting out the question after the undiplomatic manner of boyhood why have you got mabel to cut poor old vincent i call it a shame mark stopped halfway in taking off his coat it would be no business of yours if i had you know he replied but who told you i had done anything of the sort nobody i can see for myself mabel told mother she would rather not come to dinners and things when vincent was coming and once she did meet him and she only just spoke to him and now when he's so ill she won't go near him he told me himself that it was no use asking her she would never come she used to like him before so it must be all your fault and i call it a beastly shame and i don't care what you say all of this was quite new to mark mabel had studiously avoided all allusion to vincent and it had never occurred to mark to speculate on the light in which she chose to regard his explanation that was all over and he was little enough inclined to revive the subject he began to be strangely troubled now i don't know what you're talking about he said is holroyd ill it it is nothing serious is it for he had seen very little of him lately his obligation being too deep and too humiliating to make repeated visits at all desirable he looks all right said colin but i heard mother say he's very ill really and she should have to put a stop to dolly going to sit with him every day as she does because because he might die quite suddenly at any time it's something wrong with his heart she said i believe and yet he seems well enough but oh mark if if that's it you ought to let mabel make it up with him whatever he's done you might let her go and see him he would like it so i know he would though he wouldn't own it when i asked him only suppose he died i know mabel would be sorry then every word the boy said cut mark to the heart he had never suggested to mabel that she should avoid vincent and he could not be satisfied now until he had found out why she had done so his insight not being nearly keen enough to discover the reason for himself give me his address he said for he did not even know where holroyd was living and as soon as the boy had gone 
Mark drove to the place he had mentioned, a house in Cambridge Terrace, instead of returning home at once as he had previously intended. He did not believe that the illness was as serious as Colin had implied. Of course, that was exaggerated. But he could not be quite easy until he had reassured himself by a visit, and some lingering feeling of self-reproach drove him to make this atonement for his long neglect. The Langton's carriage was at the door when he arrived, and, as he came into the sitting-room on the second floor, he heard Dolly's clear little voice and paused, hidden by the screen door. She was reading to Vincent, who was lying back in an armchair. It was Hans Anderson's story of the shadow, a choice to which she had been guided by pure accident. Mark heard her read the half-sad, half-cynical conclusion as he stood there unseen. The princess and the shadow stepped out on the balcony to show themselves, and to receive one cheer more. But the learned man heard nothing of all these festivities, for he had already been executed. "'Oh, how horrid of that wicked shadow!' was Dolly's indignant comment as she finished. "'Oh, Vincent, aren't you very, very sorry for the poor learned man?' "'Much sorrier for the shadow, Dolly,' he replied a reply of which Dolly would have insisted upon an explanation, had not Mark then come forward. He murmured some confused sentence accounting for his visit. "'I have been wondering whether I should see you again,' said Vincent. "'Dolly, you had better go now, dear. It is getting late. You will come and read me another story to-morrow.' "'If mother will let me,' said Dolly. "'And I tell you what, next time I come, I'll bring Frisk. You want amusing, I know, and he's a nice, cheerful dog.' to have in a room with you when mark returned from putting her into the carriage vincent said is there anything you want to say to me ashburn yes said mark i know i have no right to trouble you i know you can never really forgive me i thought so once said vincent but i have done with all that i forgave you long ago tell me if i can help you i have just heard for the first time said mark that that my wife has not has not treated you very kindly lately, and I came here to ask you if I am the cause. Vincent flushed suddenly, and his breath was laboured and painful for a moment. What is the use of bringing that up now? he asked. Is it a pleasant subject for either of us? Let it rest. I had no intention of paining you, said Mark. I ought not to have asked you. I I will ask Mabel herself. You must not do that, said Vincent with energy. You might have spared me this. You might have guessed. Still, I will tell you. It may do good. Yes, you are the cause, Ashburn. The lie I told on that evening of the rehearsal has borne its penalty, as lies will, and the penalty has fallen upon me heavily. Ask yourself what your wife must think of the man I made myself appear. Good God, groaned Mark, who saw this now for the first time. You see... Vincent pursued, I am dying now, with the knowledge that I shall never see her face again, that when I am gone she will not spare me a single regret, that she will make haste to lose my very memory. I don't complain, it is for her good, and I am content. Don't imagine I tell you this as a reproach. Only if you are ever tempted again to do anything which may put her happiness in danger, or weaken the confidence she has in you, remember what it has cost another man to assure them and I think you will resist, then. "'Vincent!' cried Mark, brokenly. "'It can't be. You are not—not not dying.' 
my doctor tells me so,' said Vincent. "'I have been prepared for it a long time, and it must be coming near now. "'But there, we have talked enough about that. "'Don't fancy from anything I have said that I have lost all faith in you. "'You will find very soon, perhaps, how little that is so. "'Are you going already?' he added, as Mark rose hastily. "'Good-bye, then. Come and see me when you can. "'And, if we are not to meet again, you will not forget, I know.' no i shall not forget was all mark could say just then and left the house he could not trust himself to bear any longer the unhoped-for expression of confidence and regard which he saw once more upon his friend's face as he walked home his mind was haunted by what he had just heard vincent dying his last hours embittered by mabel's coldness mark could not suffer that she must see him once more she must repair the horrible injustice she had shown. He would urge her to relent. And yet, how could she repair it unless her eyes were opened? Gradually he became aware that a final crisis had come in his life, just as he thought all was well with him. He had said to himself, Peace, peace, and it had only been an armistice. Would the results of that shameful act always rise up against him in this way? what was he to do he had felt as deep a shame and remorse for his past conduct as he was capable of but hitherto he had supposed that the wrong had been comfortably righted that he himself was after all the chief if not the sole sufferer that consolation was now gone he knew what mabel had been to vincent and what it must be to him now to feel that he must bear this misconception to the end could mark accept this last sacrifice more and more he felt that he stood where two paths met that he might hold his peace now and let his friend go down misunderstood to the grave but that all his past baseness would be nothing to that final meanness that if he faltered this time if he chose the easy path he might indeed be safe for ever from discovery but his soul would be stained with a dishonour that nothing would ever cleanse that he would have done with self-respect and peace of mind for ever and yet if he took the other path, the right one, where would it lead him? And so he reached his house in miserable indecision, driven this way and that by contending impulses, loathing the prospect of his crowning infamy, yet shrinking from the sole alternative. He found Mabel sitting alone in the firelight. "'How did you get on?' she asked eagerly. "'You won your case?' "'My case?' he repeated blankly. So far away did all that seem now. Oh, yes, my case. The Lord Chief sums up tomorrow. I think we shall get a verdict. Sit down and tell me all about it, she said. I will ring for the lamp. I can't see your face. No, said Mark, don't ring. It is better as it is. She was struck by something in his voice. You are tired, dear, she said. Very tired, he confessed with a heavy sigh and then with one of his sudden promptings he said mabel i have just seen vincent he is very ill i know she said is he worse dying he answered gloomily i want to ask you a question is it true that you have been thinking very harshly of him lately i cannot think well of him she replied will you tell me why he demanded even then he tried to cherish the faint hope that her resentment might have another cause. "'Cannot you guess?' she asked. 
ah no you are too generous to feel it yourself how can i feel kindly towards the man who could let you sacrifice your name and your prospects for a caprice of his own who persuaded you to entangle yourself in a manner that might for all he knew or cared ruin you for life even if that were so said mark he is dying remember think what it would be to him to see you once more mabel will you refuse to go to him he should not have asked this of me cried mabel oh mark you will think me hard unchristian i know but i can't do this not even now when he is dying he ought not to have asked it mabel he cried he did not ask it you do not know him if you think that do you still refuse i must i must repeated mabel oh if it had been i who was the injured one i do not think i should feel like this it is for you i cannot forgive if i went now what good would it do mark it is wicked of me but i could not say what he would expect not yet not yet you must not ask me mark knew now that the decisive moment had come there was only one way left of moving her there was no time to lose if he meant to take it must he speak the words which would banish him from his wife's heart for ever just when hope had returned to his life just when he had begun to feel himself worthier of her love it was so easy to say no more to leave her in her error and the shadow would pass away and his happiness be secure but could he be sure of that the spectre had risen so many times to mock him would it ever be finally laid and if mabel learnt the truth when it was too late no he could not bear to think of what would happen then and yet how was he to begin in what words could he break it to her his heart died within him at the duty before him and he sat in the firelit room tortured with indecision and his good and bad angel fought for him and then all at once almost in spite of himself the words came mabel he cried holroyd has done nothing do you hear nothing to call for forgiveness oh if you could understand without my saying more she started and her voice had an accent first of a new hope then of a great fear is vincent better than he seemed but how can that be if tell me mark tell me everything mark shrank back he dared not tell her not now he groaned my god what am i doing mabel i can't tell you have pity on yourself on me she rose and came to him if you have anything to tell me tell me now she said i am quite strong it will not hurt me you must not leave me in this uncertainty that will kill me mark if you love me i entreat you to save me from being unjust to vincent remember he is dying you have told me so he rose and went to the sideboard there was water there and he poured some out and drank it before he could speak then he came back to the fireplace and leaned against the mantelboard you will hate me before i have finished he said at last but i will tell you and then he began and painfully with frequent breaks and nervous hurrying at certain passages he told her everything the whole story of his own shame and of holroyd's devotion he did not spare himself he did not even care to give such excuses as might have been made for him in the earlier stages of his fraud if his atonement was late 
it was at least a full one she listened without a word without even a sob and when he had come to the end she sat there silent still as if turned to stone the stillness grew so terrible that mark could bear no more speak to me mabel he cried in his agony for god's sake speak to me she rose supporting herself with one trembling hand even in the firelight her face was deathly pale take me to him first she said and the voice was that of a different woman after that i will speak to you to vincent he asked half stupefied by what he was suffering not to-night mabel you must not i must she replied if you will not take me i shall go alone quick let us lose no time he went out into the main road and hailed a cab as he had done often enough before for one of their journeys to dinner or the theatre when he returned mabel was already standing cloaked and hooded at the open door tell him to drive fast fast she said feverishly as he helped her into the hansom and she did not open her lips again till it stopped he glanced at her face now and then when the shop lights revealed her profile as she lay back in the corner it was pale and set her eyes were strained but she had shed no tears he sat there and recalled the merry journeys they had had together side by side on evenings like this when he had been sorry the drive should ever end how long this one was the cab reached cambridge terrace at last mark instinctively looked at the upper windows of the house they were all dark stay here till i have asked he said to mabel before he got out we may we may be too late vincent had been moved to his sleeping-room where he was sitting in his armchair the trained nurse who had been engaged to wait upon him had left for a while the light was lowered and he was lying still in the dreamy exhaustion which was becoming more and more his normal state he had received his death warrant some months before the harassing struggles against blight and climate in ceylon the succession of illnesses which had followed them and the excitement and anxiety that he underwent on his return had ended in an affection of the heart which by the time he thought it sufficiently serious to need advice was past all cure he had heard the verdict calmly for he had little to make him in love with life but while the book in which he had already begun to find distraction was unfinished there was still work for him to do and he was anxious to leave it completed if the efforts he made to effect this shortened his life they at least prevented him from dwelling upon its approaching end and his wish was gratified he fixed his mind steadily on his task and though each day saw less accomplished and with more painful labour the time came when he reached the last page and threw down his pen for ever now he was on the brink of the stream and the plash of the ferryman's oar could be heard plainly the world behind him had already grown distant and dim even of the book which had been in his mind so long he thought but little he had done with it all whether it brought him praise or blame from man he would never learn now and he was content to be in ignorance the same lethargy had mercifully deadened to some extent the pain of mabel's injustice until mark's visit had revived it that afternoon he had come to think of it all now without bitterness it might be that in some future state she would wake and remember and understand and the wrong be righted but it had always seemed to him that in another existence all earthly misunderstandings 
must seem too infinitely pitiful and remote to be worth unravelling or even recalling and so he could not find much comfort there but at least he had not been worsted in the conflict with his lower nature mabel's happiness was now secure from the worst danger the struggle was over and he was glad for there had been times when he had almost sunk under it so he was thinking dreamily as he sat there while now and then a cloud would drift across his thoughts as he lost himself in a kind of half slumber he was roused by sounds on the stairs outside and presently he heard a light step in the farther room i am not asleep he said believing the nurse had returned vincent said a low tremulous voice it is i mabel then he looked up and even in that half-light he saw that the figure standing there in the open doorway was the one which had been chief in his thoughts unprepared as he was for such a visitor he felt no surprise only a deep and solemn happiness as he saw her standing before him you have come then he said i am very glad you must think less hardly of me or you would not be here she had only obtained leave to see him on her earnest entreaties and promises of self-restraint but his first words sorely tried her fortitude she came to his chair and sank down beside it taking his hands in both hers vincent she cried with a sob that would not be repressed i cannot bear it if you talk so i know all all that you have suffered and given up he has told me at last vincent looked down with an infinite pity upon the sweet contrite face raised to his you poor child he said you know then how could he tell you mabel i tried so hard to spare you this and now it has come what can i say to you say that you forgive me if you ever can she said when i remember all the hard things i said and thought of you when all the time oh i was blind or i must have seen the truth and i can never never make it up to you now do you think he asked that to see you here and know that you understand me at last would not make up for much harder treatment than i ever had from you mabel if that were all but he has told you you said told you the whole sad story mabel what are you going to do she put the question aside with a gesture of heartsick pride what does it matter about me i can only think of you just now let me forget all the rest while i may dying men have their privileges he said and i have not much more time mabel i must ask you what have you said to mark nothing she said with a low moan what was there to say he must know that he has no wife now mabel you have not left him he cried not yet she said turning away wearily he brought me to this house he is here now i believe you are torturing me with these questions vincent answer me this once he persisted do you mean to leave him she rose to her feet what else can i do she demanded now that i know the mark i loved has gone for ever he never even existed i have no husband beyond the name i have been in a dream all this time and i wake to find myself alone only an hour ago and mark was all the world to me think what he must be to me from this time no i cannot live with him i cannot breathe the same air with him i am ashamed that i could ever have loved him 
he is all unworthy and mean and false and i thought him noble and generous you are too hard said vincent he is not all bad he was weak not wicked if i had not felt that i should never have tried to keep his secret and forced him against his will to keep it himself and now he has confessed it all to you when there was no fear of discovery to urge him only because he could not endure the thought of my bearing your displeasure to the end he did not know that that was so till this afternoon and i told him without thinking it would have that effect on him i did him in injustice there he must have gone back and accused himself at once think mabel was there nothing unselfish and brave in that he knew what you would think of him he knew that he was safe if he kept silence and yet he spoke because he preferred the worst for himself to allowing me to bear the penalty for his sins is a man who could act thus utterly lost lost to me she said passionately the confession came too late and how could any confession atone for such a sin no he is too unworthy i can never trust him never forgive him i do not ask you to forgive him now he urged he has done you a great wrong your love and faith have received a cruel shock and you cannot act and feel as if this has never been i understand all that only do not close the door on forgiveness for ever do not cut him off from all chance of winning back something of the confidence he has lost the hope of that will give him strength and courage without that hope to keep him up without your influence he will surely lose heart and be lost for ever his fate rests with you have you thought of that she was silent but her face was still unconvinced you think your love is dead he went on and yet mabel something tells me that love will not die easily with you what if you find this is so at some future time when the step you are bent upon has been taken and you cannot retreat from it what if when you call him back it is too late and he will not or cannot return to you i shall never call him back she said you will have no pity on him for his sake or your own vincent pleaded will you not for mine mabel let me say something to you about myself i have loved you for years you are not angry with me for telling you so now are you i loved you well enough to put your happiness before all other things it was for that i made any sacrifices i have made it was for that i was willing even that you should think hardly of me for me she cried was it for me that you have done all this how i have repaid you i was repaid by the belief that it secured your happiness he answered i thought rightly or wrongly that i was justified in deceiving you for your own good but now you are taking away all this from me mabel i must die with the sense of having failed miserably and i thought i was most successful with the knowledge that by what i had done i have only increased the evil must i leave you with your happy home blighted past recovery with nothing before you but a lonely barren existence must i think of you living out your life proud and unforgiving and wretched to the end i entreat you to give me some better comfort some brighter prospect than that you will punish me for my share in it all by refusing what i ask but will you refuse she came back to him no she said brokenly i have given you pain enough i will refuse you nothing now only it is so hard tell me what i am to do do not desert him do not shame him before the world he said 
bear with him still give him the chance of winning back what he has lost peace may be long in coming to you but it will come some day and even if it never comes at all mabel you'll have done your duty there will be a comfort in that will you promise this for my sake she raised her face which she had hidden in her hands i promise for your sake she said and at her words he sank back with a sigh of relief his work was over and the energy he had summoned up to accomplish it left him suddenly thank you he said faintly you have made me happier mabel i should like to see mark but i am tired i shall sleep now i will come to-morrow she said and bending over him she kissed his forehead she had not kissed him since the time when she was a child and he an undergraduate devoted to her even then and now that kiss and the touch of her hand lingered with him till he slept and perhaps followed him some little way into the land of dreams mark had been waiting in a little dark sitting-room on the lower floor he had not dared to follow mabel at last after long hours as it seemed of slow torment he heard her descending slowly and came to meet her she was very pale and had been weeping but her manner was composed now let us go home was all she said to him and they drove back in silence as they had come but when they had reached their home mark could bear his uncertainty no longer mabel he said and his voice shook have you nothing to say to me still she met his appealing gaze with eyes that bore no reproach only a fixed and hopeless sadness in their clear depths yes she said let us never speak again of of what you have told me to-night you must make me forget it if you can the sudden relief almost took away his breath you do not mean to leave me then he cried impulsively as he came towards her and seemed about to take her hand i thought i had lost you but you will not do that mabel you will stay with me she shrank from him ever so slightly with a little instinctive gesture of repugnance which the wretched man noted with agony i will not leave you she said i did mean but that is over you owe it to him i will stay with you mark it may not be for much longer her last words chilled him with a deadly fear his terrible confession had escaped him before he had had time to remember much that might well have excused him even to himself for keeping silence then my god he cried in his agony when she had left him is that to be my punishment oh not that any shame any disgrace but that and he lay awake long struggling hard against a terror that was to grow nearer and more real with each succeeding day Vincent's sleep was sweet and sound that night, until, with the dawn, the moment came when it changed gently and painlessly into a sleep that was sounder still, and the plain, commonplace bedroom grew hushed and solemn, for death had entered it. End of chapter 41